No one likes to be a know-it-all cocktail college listener, but I must admit, I do enjoy whenever someone tells me that vodka is flavorless or boring. It's true. I relish the opportunity of convincing them that this simply is not the case. Because there are many vodkas out there that subtly highlight their base ingredients and can absolutely add character to cocktails. Case in point, Haku Vodka from the House of Suntory. Made with 100% Japanese white rice, this bright, well-rounded vodka evokes whispers of fruit and flowers and lands with grace on the palate. Like yourself, I'm not typically drinking vodka neat, and instead I prefer this in a soda highball or, better yet, a two-to-one martini where I like to replace dry vermouth with sake. Try it. You'll never look back. Once again, that name is Haku Vodka Listener. And fun fact, Haku means both white and brilliant in Japanese. Two words that go a long way to describing this clean-tasting, distinctive vodka. Please drink responsibly. Haku Vodka is a registered trademark with 40% alcohol by volume. Copyright 2022. Beam Suntory Import Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, this is Tim McCurdy, and welcome to Vinepair's Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. I, too, am a huge podcast fan listener, and I understand full well that sometimes with shows like this, you might look at the topic and be like, hmm, lemon drop? Not sure if that one's for me. I'll come back for the better-known classics. So if you are listening to this right now, then congratulations, because this one's a belter. And if you aren't, well, that kind of takes us into the tree falling in the woods, people not hearing it, territory. Anyway, here's the thing about today's episode. We got Harrison Ginsberg on from New York's Crown Shy, where he works as bar manager. And our exploration of this I'm going to say often overlooked cocktail, to be kind, allows us to explore the wild world of shots, bars that opt for plants because they can't afford furniture, and the nuances of vodka. They exist. Of course, that's just a little sprinkling of the magic sherbet coming your way, listener, because we dive deeper than a great white shark here on Cocktail College, which is brought to you, as always... By the Vine Pair Podcast Network. But otherwise, we are going to kick it off here. Short and sweet. That's the cocktail. Not the episode, though. It's Harrison Ginsberg. Welcome. Thanks for joining us here on Cocktail College. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. And looking over my notes here, multiple firsts for us. Multiple firsts. Yep. On, the, on this show. Um first cocktail that whose history or first time we've been able to mention the concept of fern bars can't wait to get into that oh i'm excited to get into that one also i believe i mean she should only have one but i believe that this is the first time we have covered oprah winfrey's favorite drink on the show <laughs> and because all good things come in threes finally this i believe is the first cocktail too that is equally as iconic as a shot as it is a cocktail. Oh yeah, probably more iconic as a shot, right? So that's just a little preview there, a little sprinkling. Uh, the drink, of course, is the lemon drop. So first of all, do you want to just tell us what it is for those who don't know, or maybe some, maybe folks that have had them, but they've got no idea what, what's in there. Tell us what it is, and then we're going to jump into the history of the cocktail. Yeah, I think... I would assume that more people have had them and have no idea what's in a lemon drop than than had one or had uh, a quote-unquote right one, right? Um, so the lemon drop, vodka, fresh lemon juice or lemon juice. I mean, it's always better with fresh, right? Yeah. A little bit of simple syrup just to balance that lemon juice and triple sec or orange liqueur. Nice. Um, I mean, there's so, there's so many things I want to ask about that already before we do get into the history Let's do it. Okay, right. So, you, you know, you mentioned vodka there, and we'll get into vodka more. I think unfairly, 
this is a cocktail whose reputation might be kind of tied or thought in the same vein of something like an apple teeny, right? Or other drinks like that. Or maybe maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe maybe that's misrepresenting, but not taken as seriously as it should be because we're not using any flavored ingredients here and you're talking about fresh juice as well. Yeah, I would assume, like, I always group this into that category and unfairly so, right? Because when you think about it, it's actually more similar to some of those delicious classics, a sidecar, margarita, yeah. some of those daisy-style drinks yeah. that are, like, some of our favorites. yeah. I think I've seen I've seen that described as well as maybe like the New Orleans sour, perhaps yeah, maybe like as a category. That was the first time I I kind of like heard that term New Orleans sour, but yeah, I mean it's it's one of those kind of like this is ultimately more of an old school classic than people realize. Yeah, and maybe again that conversation that I'm talking about there, maybe that comes down to as well the period when this was devised. So set the scene for us. We're talking 1970s. 1970s, yeah. 1970s San Francisco, you know, um, this is this is that fern bar we were talking about. Um, Henry Africa's really somebody didn't have enough money to furnish a bar, so furnished it with ferns and plants, and <laughs> just really wanted a, a comfortable space. And you know, it's like history repeats itself. And you're talking about somebody that wanted some place that was like gender inclusive because uh, women weren't necessarily always welcome in bars and. And this guy, Norman, he wanted to create that environment for people, mm -hmm. something lively and fun and bright. And I mean, like today's bar culture is all about that. So it's mm -hmm. kind of funny that this is like 1970s San Francisco and now it's it's 2022 everywhere. Yeah. And that was Norman. Do you know his surname as well for the record <sighs> there? Day. Hob Day. Hob Day. Nice. So sets up a bar, doesn't have the money to furnish it. And to, furn to furnish it. Ah. <laughs> uh, don't know how that one got yeah, past me. Come on, no. I'm a big fan of the pun. <laughs> but uh, so what, these plants are just cheaper than furniture? Cheaper than furniture. Kind of brought some life to the, to the space and, and, and made it a fun place to, mm -hmm. to kind of hang out and drink. Do we know if it was like a big space? I think we were talking about off-air, like you start to see some of these now in, in areas of Brooklyn, maybe like a Bushwick, where the spaces do tend to be quite big. I mean, was that a factor in it as well? You know, I don't know what the bar looked like. I, I've seen some pictures, and it's funny because it kind of almost has this like tiki-esque feel in there. But maybe that's just plants and being like vibrant and, and yeah. lush, right, mm -hmm. and green. Um, but it, it, it doesn't, from from the pictures of the bar closed like in, in the early 80s, um, it doesn't look like a huge space mm -hmm. um, but it just looks like a comfortable space i mean very <laughs> 70s like when yep. you think of it in your mind you're spot on you know i love it very i mean perhaps this is because i wasn't around during that era or maybe it's like a uniquely american concept or just doesn't have a name elsewhere when i think of ferns normally i just think of jurassic park first but <laughs> <laughs> the fern bar it's something I, I don't know i need to dig into this more um so within that bar Henry Africa uh, emerges the lemon drop. The lemon drop. Do we know if there's a person behind it or is it one of these ones where it's just kind of tied to the bar? It's just kind of tied to the bar. They say that Norman Hobday, who like took on the name Henry Africa after some time of, of having the bar, he, they say he invented it. Um, and I think it just goes back to that thing, right? Creating an inclusive space like he wanted women to be in the bar as opposed to this like dark grungy bar where men hung out and drank and smoked mm -hmm. cigarettes. Like he wanted mm -hmm. people to be drinking cocktails and, and having fun. So, you know, it could have been him. That, those are the mysteries of, mm -hmm. of certain cocktails, right? And I mean, we've seen this also explored throughout in different ways. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not going to judge. I'm just going to lay it out here and say that this is a concept that has proven profitable for other people. Uh, Aaron Goldfarb, I mentioned him quite a lot, writer for Vine Pair. He did a history on kind of ladies' night in Manhattan. And it is that idea of if there's going to be a lot of women in your bar, then naturally maybe a lot of men are going to want to drink there too. I'm not saying they were getting their drinks discounted at Henry Africa, but uh, it's a model. It's a business model that has been repeated throughout time. Oh, yeah. Fill it with good-looking people and other people will come, right? Mm -hmm. And hopefully, as you said as well, with maybe just the decor or the vibe, people are feeling comfortable to drink there too as well. Like people, you know, inclusive is what In we're looking Inclusive. Mm -hmm. Letting loose, having fun, drinking del delicious mm -hmm. drinks. Um, I think that's the model, right? Yeah. And so 
vodka-based cocktail. Does feel very much 70s, that era. Does this predate the flavored vodka revolution? I imagine it probably does. Definitely predates the flavored vodka revolution. You know, this was definitely like a something that paved way yeah. for those flavored vodka concoctions. Um, and and some of those flavored vodkas in this style, right, can be a delicious drink. And you, you have the Cosmo kind of born out of this. If you think about what the Cosmopolitan is, yep. it's kind of a lemon drop. Right. You know? Yeah, very, very similar. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like I think people wanted to shed from what their parents were drinking, which were like stiff, boozy, whiskey, brandy, yep. cognac, and, and have something bright and fresh and... Mm-hmm. Um, mixing vodka which was like the total opposite of what people's parents were drinking yeah with some lemon juice and sugar i mean it's like let's have a party yeah (laughs) it really is yeah that kind of yeah the pre-flavored revolution it's the it's the clear spirits revolution we're talking about here right you know predates like a whiskey glut as well here american whiskey uh which some folks probably took took advantage of maybe 20 years ago and picked up some great bourbons oh yeah um how things have changed right i mean you talk about the firm bar making a comeback. On the other hand, right now, I mean, whiskey's so popular, and I feel like I think your own bar included. I see certain bars giving vodka more respect than others, and and using it in very inventive ways. But I think that's still very much the minority in the cocktail sphere. Definitely minority. You know, I think for what for what we do is 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 we we like to showcase flavors. So when you have something that really interesting that you want to highlight like vodka can create this kind of neutral base for something you know there are other times when we want to highlight a spirit and use other flavors to uplift those things but vodka is obviously that that neutral neutral palette there's also some incredible like vodkas that are coming to market or have been around for a little while that are made from honey or apples or yeah um in a very sustainable manner then those things are really interesting to me you know Mm mm-hmm I, I find that too as well. And you know what? It's it's funny because on, on the uh, on the flagship Vine Pair podcast recently, they were talking about an idea that I've had, which is that it's a very exciting time if you're a spirits geek to be a vodka drinker. Um, they maybe didn't didn't agree with me so much on that one. You can take a listen to that episode on, that, on the Vine Pair podcast. But I think, no, if you give vodka some time, and real vodka made in the way with the same respect that other spirits are treated. It's a wonderful spirits. It's, it's a wonderful spirits category. Yeah, I mean, if you think about um, a lot of new craft distillers and people are making vodka right while their while their spirits are aging and whatnot, and these are really talented distillers, right? People are making something really well so they can sell it while their product is is coming of age but you have like an exciting time for sure Mm -hmm. and like the accessibility to like beautiful ingredients is is more abundant than ever yep um so people are doing things right Mm -hmm. and and getting back to the lemon drop specifically here you know we mentioned this isn't one where it's like it's a drink from that era that contains like overly bright schnapps or something that's flavored and so i think what this drink benefits from is you can tweak the ratios and find the balance because I would imagine maybe the 70s version, what do you think? That would have been sweeter than people are drinking it now. Yeah, I would I would say, I mean, well, people are drinking now. But that's, a, that's a tough one, but <laughs> it, it was probably a sweet version of the drink, you know? Mm-hmm. The fresh lemon juice, who knows what it was, right? Mm-hmm. It's very foggy, that, that history there, but um, I mean, tweaking it with like fresh lemon juice and a little sugar is yeah. delicious. Tweaking it with like fresh lemon juice, a little sugar, and a fresh herb, wow. Yeah, taking it to the next level. So if you're having a classic version of this drink, but one that's also balanced, what are you looking to taste in the cocktail? Um, Should anything be more prominent than any other ingredient? Well, I think what I like to see, and like balance is a tough thing, right? Balance is different for everybody. I do like a little more vodka. I like to know that it's kind of a boozy drink. Um, balance with some some sugar and acid but you know i do a full ounce of lemon juice uh three quarters of an ounce i like cointreau that's my preferred uh orange liqueur or triple sec it's it's i think balance it's vibrant but it's not overpowering 
And I like to use a little two to one. So two parts sugar to one part water, simple syrup to balance out at a quarter ounce. So we're talking about two ounces of vodka, three quarters of an ounce of your Cointreau, a full ounce of lemon and a quarter ounce of that two to one syrup. Nice. I think it's balanced. It's, it's like kind of boozy. It's delicious. And that's the same way I would make a margarita a sidecar. So it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting there, and, and therefore the flavor profile, I mean, you've got the full ounce of, of lemon there. Is that enough? Because it's called the lemon drop, right? Oh, like yeah. So does it need to be a lemon explosion from the get-go? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, it's called the lemon drop. It was named after a candy, mm-hmm. right? A lemon candy. Yeah. So, um, you you could do all sorts of things. I mean, something we do at the bar sometimes is we make like these oleosaccharums, but then we make them into syrups. So um, you just like elongate them a little. If you add a lemon kind of oleo syrup, like, you know, you're talking more citrus, more yeah. more fragrant lemon. Um, and that's like one of the things I, I wanted to talk about is like all these crazy citrus variations. You know, you have yuzu is becoming like ever so popular. Yeah. Like yuzu in a lemon drop, crazy wow you know that's wild i i'm just thinking about that as soon as you say that seems very very on brand for it as well a a lot of the drinks that you guys like to make over there over story but um immediately i'm like yeah that is that's got me thinking okay is this an underappreciated template and i say template okay we've spoken about the fact it's maybe a new orleans sour whatever you want to call it but i'm calling it a template where the only thing you would be changing is the citrus component. It's a template. Yeah. It's an underappreciated template. And a lot of people think of this as that like shooter category of, of drinks and that like super like cloying 70s era drink. Like this is not that. Mm-hmm. This is more akin to one of those classics yeah. pre-prohibition uh, that have been enjoyed now for years and years and years than anything else. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's no kind of wonky modifiers there's no like milk it's not like one of those creamy mudslidey type drinks like mm-hmm. this is a real well-respected drink yeah and so is there anywhere in your background that because i know you, you've been at uh correct me if i'm wrong here dead rabbit blacktail now overstory that you know so basically if anyone's drank well at any point during the last five ten years in downtown in financial district and and surrounding there's a large chance that you have been, you've had a hand in that. So I stick to the neighborhood. I, I, I have worked in the financial district for quite a long time at this point. And before that, though, my question here is, have you worked in any places where this is very popular as a shop? Because I'm interested, how does that work out from a service perspective? Um, shots aren't usually ordered just as one, but what if it is? Like, what's the, what's the kind of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for here? But what's the logistics on that? Like, what's it like in service having a shot like this that's actually a cocktail? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, people still all the time, you know, birthday parties, celebrations, they're like, we want a shot. You pour them a shot of straight booze. They're like, oh, this is not what we wanted. You know, they want like a done up shot. The easiest way to do that is it's a cocktail, right? It's split. One cocktail usually gets you like three shots. Okay. Um, it's rare, but it happens that somebody wants a shot like that and uh, they want it by themselves. But, you know, somebody's <laughs> looking to party, like, no problem. The short answer is we just take care of the other two. We make it yeah. go away, right? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> otherwise, like, who's who's figuring out a third of a quarter ounce? Yeah, yeah. you just don't do that. You just you, you just you just make it work or, you know, yeah. you make that person feel not so alone or, you know. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, that's like, that's like bar culture, you know, that's like, that's like creating that special moment. And especially, you know, like I want to wager that if, if someone, if I'm behind a bar and someone in front of me orders a, a lemon drop shot on their own, I figure they probably want some company with that, right? Oh yeah. They, they want someone to, to drink that lemon drop with them. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. I'm going <laughs> to go- see what happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go out to my local. I feel like my local Irish bar, Maggie May's shout out there. They're almost certainly not listening. Uh, I feel like they can make a good lemon drop shot. And, and I just want to see what happens when will, I order. Will it. that change like your status in the bar? Ordering one by yourself? 
Um, possibly they'll be like, you don't want your martini today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, you've served me one too many shaken ones when I've asked for a stir. So this is it. I'm just going for the... <laughs> now you got to shake it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, imagine they stir that one up. Who knows? Crazy things happen there. <laughs> they, got a, they got a menu of um, three different smoked old fashions. Mm. Mm. Which uh, neighborhood bars sure. these days? That's crazy. <laughs> I think there's a, a separate conversation is, to have is about one the with like a cigarette smoking in the glass, or it's not that type of bar. Um, it, I think it becomes that kind of bar after hours. I'm not usually there for long enough, but um, there is equally there there is an equal number of people outside smoking that place uh, as there usually is inside. So it's one of those places. Mm. It's a it's a wonderful establishment. Anyway, we do digress. So you've set out the ratios there for us, which are wonderful. You've talked about the ingredients, but you've also hinted to the fact that there's other aspects of the ingredients that we're going to get into. Yes. Let's start with vodka first, though. So two people in this room that are taking vodka seriously, so we're not just going to say, whatever you want, it's all flavorless. Do you have a preferred brand for this or maybe just general base of vodka you know uh it's one of those things but vodka is is so vast when you're shaking something up with lemon and triple sec and a little sugar like you're not gonna have too much variation right i'm looking for like quality but yeah you don't need to go crazy like the person that orders a lemon drop and it has to be gray goose or, or nothing wrong with gray goose at all but like top shelf that's preference of course you know they might believe that that's that's something that makes them feel good in the morning. Yep. You know, I'm looking for something pretty neutral. I mean, you could go crazy. Like I, I think Bar Hill from Vermont. Yep. Honey based. Yep. That's going to make the drink a whole nother thing. It's almost like a bee's knees, right? Right. Um, and that's super fun, but something clean, you know, something clean, I, I, fairly I, I, neutral. I tend to like a wheat based vodka, but yeah, that's uh, just me. And would you say, so in general, and again, we're talking about, we're, we're really dialing in, to the to, to the minutiae here, but like, what if it's rye? What what comes to your mind when you think about the specific basis? So I, I'm just gonna fire them at you. No, rye. Like, what are you thinking? Savory. You know, like like savory. Like I get this like Eastern European like food thing with rye based vodkas. Yeah. Pickles. To be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wheat. Wheat. Neutral. Clean. You know, almost like whiskey that's not aged. Yeah. I mean, Corn. Corn is like a little more gritty. Like think about like baked goods, right? Corn muffins. Yeah. Versus like uh, a different type of muffin, right? Corn bread. Like yeah. you get that kind of like sweet, savory kind of It's like sweet, right? But it also, yeah, it's always almost like that corn brine, you know, like out the can. There's, there's something weird about the sweetness to corn-based products. Like, it's like musty in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, potato. Potato is, is like fairly clean. I just find that it has some weight to it, some body. Yeah. Next one for you. Rice. Rice. Ooh, this is like a new one that's popping up. Um, floral. Yeah. You know, if you've ever had like jasmine rice or like basmati rice, it has mm -hmm. this like florality to it. Yeah. And it's like, it could be like chalky, but in, in a pleasant way. Yeah. Yeah. Like We're talking, vodka. yeah. Floral, texture. A good thing for citrus. Good partner. Yeah, if I see it, I'll, I'll order it for sure. Final one here, not a common one. Whey. Whey. Oh, you know, I, I've heard of one whey-based vodka. I haven't tasted it. I'm mm -hmm. assuming it's, like, pretty creamy. Um, yeah, it's got a decent... So there's one broken shed, uh, but it does have a pretty decent um, kind of mouthfeel to it, but very, very clean profile as well. Um that's another one Aaron Goldfarb's explored for Vine Pair as well. So just check on the guy's byline. Uh, Imagine a lemon drop with a whey vodka. It's like it's like lemon yogurt. Mm -hmm. I bet you it's delicious. I bet it's amazing. Yeah, and I think also as well there there are some other types of vodka too. You know, you can go into other base ingredients. You start to see some, you know, like um, basically all kinds of grains, right? Sometimes there can be like a zestiness to it as well. And oh, maybe, yeah. I think it comes down to the individual product, but if you do identify vodka, right, that has maybe a zestiness to it, that's good. Yeah. Um, all right, so triple sec, spoken about Cointreau. Is there anything else you want to add? 
I mean, triple sec is is like a vast category at this point, and like a lot of people think of it as like this like super sweet thing. Some of them are are really well made, and and it, it is vast. But triple sec really means like extra dry, yeah. which is like funny <laughs> because it's like a liqueur. Um, Curacao tends to be a little richer, brandy based. It has like some unctuous like depth to it, um, and and in my experience, a, a little more robust in terms of like flavor and, and I hate using the word sweetness, but it's like a little bolder. Yeah. You have that like dry curacao, those versions of like drier versions of that. And those are great. Um, but again, they have like weight to them. I find triple sec to be like sharp and, and expressive, but, but not too overwhelming. That's why I personally like Cointreau. Yeah. Um, but there's also Combier, a little yep. more orange forward for me. The category's vast. Stay away from the stuff in the plastic bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and I get, yeah, another reminder, because this is very similar to, to the um, the white lady. Yeah. And one I thing mean. we were speaking about there is just like, you know, if you're using Cointreau, this is, this is the proof of a spirit, right? So like, you're, this is a, a boozy cocktail. Yeah, I mean, well, just for those of you know, that, that don't know, the white lady is basically, it's, it's, it's a it's a lemon drop, but with gin, yeah. with sometimes egg white, with but some yeah, kind of the same thing, very similar. Yeah, I mean they're like forty percent, like they're boozy. Yeah, this is not no, just nobody like a liqueur. realizes. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend that worked for a, 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 a orange liqueur brand, and he, and he used to say best 80, 80 proof shot in the game, and it's kind of delicious. It really you know? is the old grandma shot. Oh yeah, as well. That's a favorite. Yeah. Um, so lemon juice. Fresh is best. Fresh is best. Where else are you going though? Talk us through a little bit more of that in terms of other citrus that you think would work for this and the and the oleosaccharum preparation that you were talking about yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, you know, these days, like a lot of people are making alternative citrus components and trying to approximate lemon juice without juicing it fresh. And, and those things are great. And I am like the first person to experiment with like these crazy techniques. Um, however, there are certain drinks that just need some fresh juice. Other juices, other flavors, other citrus that could work really well. Like I said, yuzu. Like you can get really high quality yuzu juice and it's delicious. Yeah. Um, and it's bright and it's citrusy and it has that same like kind of uh, acidic quality. Um, I'm on an email chain with with one of the chefs at, at the restaurants and, you know, this guy is always offering us like these crazy citrus, you know, like um, sudachi and 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 kumquats and like you know the world is basically the it's it's endless yeah you know? and you just kind of kind of play with them i'm fortunate because i work in a restaurant where the chefs are like yeah we'll take some of that and they're just like here use this that's wild yeah and uh, yeah i mean rare ingredients probably expensive probably ups oh the cost God. of the drink a lot yeah yeah I, I try and hide those invoices you know <laughs> <laughs> i hope nobody's listening <laughs> the interesting one on user i'm sure most people will be familiar but there's a reason for this question. If you were to describe the flavor profile of yuzu based on a combination of common citrus, where would you put it? I would say it's like lemon meets Meyer lemon, which is like a little sweeter, which is already a combination of a few things with clementine and, you know, like um, a sour orange, like a green orange, somewhere in between those things. Yeah, like some some kind of mix of all of them. Yeah. Yuzu is one of those things. Like once you have it, you know it forever. Yes. It's so vivid. I mentioned that because at a restaurant I used to work in, in London, one of the dishes we had on the menu is a salmon tartare with a yuzu dressing. Mm. And we would get high quality frozen lemon juice. Uh, if, if you will accept that that can be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, I mean, we'll accept it for this case. Yeah, sure. Or we would buy it. Sorry. We would buy it pasteurized probably. And we would freeze it. I don't know. These were, these were different, <laughs> different days. times. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't always available. And that was one of the most popular dishes on the menu. So we would have to try and recreate the citrus profile oh, using yeah. what we had that was available to us. And with varying degrees yeah, of success. More orange, more orange. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think sometimes some pink grapefruit might make it in there oh, just yeah. a little bit. Or like, there's a bitterness, but it's an incredible ingredient. Like you said, you have it once, you know it forever. Oh, yeah. Um, anything else on those? So I'm sure we probably touched on it in the show before, but if you're doing an oleosaccharum, you're basically 
using all the peels, some sugar, you're macerating. No juice in there, any pulp or... I mean, listen, everybody has their method. I think traditionally it was like, it was sugar and, and peels, right? And you can let it sit and it, you know, sugar is that natural preservative. So you can leave it out and all the oils will extract. And eventually when you mix and mix and mix, you'll have kind of a, a syrup, you know? Mm-hmm. Usually it's more like a sludge, mm-hmm. but that sludge is like packed with citrus flavor. Um, what I like to do is is essentially start that process. We also add a bunch of like salt and, and um, a little bit of citric acid. It, it brightens it up a little yep. bit. Um, but no juice. And then we add water after. Yeah. And then we have like a sugar. We use a refractometer which measures the, the bricks, which is the, the, the amount of sugar mm-hmm. content in something. So we, we get it to the same level of a, of a syrup that we would usually use. So if someone wished to do this, uh, and those are things that we've covered as well. People can refer to the, the acid adjusting episode there. But theoretically speaking, you could make a syrup for this that has both the acidity of lemon and the bricks of simple. Yeah, I mean, we don't like... I'm not saying you, that that's... A, you, yeah. you can do anything. Yeah, yeah, you could totally do anything. Then you're talking about more like a cordial. Right? Yeah. And, and you can probably just add that with vodka and, and some... yeah treble sack or Cointreau and shake it up. But, you know, I, I think like there are, there are useful methods for some of those things. And like at a certain point, it's like, just use some limoncello. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point. And I think as well, it brings us right back to something you said in the beginning where it's like, this has to be fresh lemon juice, right? It has to pop. I mean, it's the, it's, it's in the name. Okay. There's the drop, but this is a celebration of lemon. This is a celebration of lemon. Yeah. Yeah. You need that fragrant lemon. Mm -hmm. You need it. It's the only way. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's get into the preparation now, as if you were making that here for us. Um, Talk us through, particularly, you can mention your preferences when it comes to like, which ice you're using for shaking, Mm -hmm. which type of shaker you're using, and then ultimately um, glassware and garnish. Yeah. So, uh, the first thing I do when I'm making this drink is something that I usually don't do that I usually leave for last, but you have to prep the glass, whether it's a shooter that like the shot version or a full version, which for me would, if I have available would be in one of those V shaped martini glasses. Mm -hmm. You have to sugar the rim of the glass. It's like part of the whole thing. It it just makes it a little more festive. I I think like at the end of the day, it just makes it more fun, mm-hmm. but it gives it like this texture. It's yeah. like, it's like candy. Kinda. Yeah. Like, are you using lemon juice for that? And are you going all of the rim or half of the rim? Okay. Usually I go half rim mm-hmm. sidecar. Yeah. Margaritas. I go half rim. Uh, lemon drop. I want the full rim. I want the whole thing. Nice. So there's a million ways to do this. I like to take the lemon wedge, kind of rub it around the, the rim of the glass. You don't need to like, soak the thing just like real quick and then just have a bowl of sugar dunk in one time you don't need to twirl it around or anything Mm -hmm. i like to give it a little tap on the on the top or like the stem because it would be upside down and kind of like let the excess fall off yeah and then i go back into the fridge or freezer if possible while i make the drink Mm -hmm. that's step one so that's yeah i mean that's a tough one because i imagine unless you have it on the menu you're not keeping these glasses prepared, lined up in your fridge oh, no. for service. <laughs> no. Yeah. So it's like one of those things like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Like you do the same thing for a margarita. And I got to be honest, like margaritas are like the most popular drink in the world right now. So, I mean, they kind of always have been, but tequila is like on fire. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you get that, that glass prepped and then, and then you start. Um, I, I always use a two piece metal shaker. There's a million different types of shakers out there end of the day it's like whatever you feel comfortable with Mm -hmm. i like those two piece because you can get a really nice seal you can shake the living hell out of it yeah you know when it's cold because the metal frosts up some people like glass they can kind of see it but i I like i like metal on metal tin on tin i start with citrus always so i put that lemon juice in and then we have a very specific build order that we use like the order in which ingredients go in and it's essentially just to like save money if you mess up right then I'd put the the sugar, that two to one simple syrup, 
followed by, in our case, I would always use Cointreau and then the two ounces of vodka. Mm -hmm. You remind me there that I skipped over the simple, but you're going two to one so you can use less but have the pungency of the... Exactly. Mm -hmm. Use less, still balance out the lemon juice. It's not going to feel cloying. It's going to give it some body. The lemon drop, like, it could be really thin. Uh, it could be really, like, you know, y y there is some viscosity needed in certain cocktails, right? Yeah. So that 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 quarter ounce of two to one gives it that body, that mouthfeel, but it's not cloying. Nice. I think that's a very important part of this drink as well. And, yeah, maybe some, maybe somewhere you can get there, too, with the kind of mouthfeel of the vodka that we mentioned earlier. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, so back to the preparation, you have all those ingredients in, double tin, you're going to shake the hell out of it. Ice-wise, what's your, what's your thinking here? Okay, we, I mean, it, it's one of those things, right? You just need to adapt. I'm a nerd. I like good ice. In the bar, we use these perfect, like, one by one by one cubes. We have a machine that makes it at home. I think you can use something from an ice tray because it has, like, more solid cubes than out of, like, the ice maker. Yep. Um... What I do at home is I, I freeze just like a Tupperware of water. I don't I don't really care about it being clear, clear too much at home, but I do want a nice solid chunk of ice. This way you can shake it really hard. You can get the drink really cold. You can get the drink really aerated. The point of shaking is for dilution to bring down the temperature and and to get it really, you know, really cold and really aerated. Aeration is like the biggest thing. That's why you need that hard shake. So the better ice, the more aeration you're going to get, the more control, really, that you have over it. And are, are you cutting it? That, so what, what would roughly be the size of those chunks that you're shaking with at home? Oh, I just kind of, like, rough hack just, it up. Yeah. At home, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easy, but, I, you know, I know what to do with, like, different size ice. But bigger than the standard one-by-one-by-one by one by one that yeah, you're talking yeah. about at the bar. It's probably, okay. like, a few, like, chunks. A few big. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to start doing that. It's easy. You know, like I said, I don't care about it being clear at home. I just want, like, something that I can work with. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And then, so we're single or double straining into our prepared glass now, and how are we garnishing? Okay, so, you know, I love a double strain cocktail. I love no ice chips. However, a drink like a lemon drop, there is some give there. I want those ice chips. That's just me. Why is that? It just like it's icy. Like it's like an icy drink. Yeah. It's like it's obviously not like a slushy or a frozen drink, but mm -hmm. to have those little ice chips on top makes it all more delicious. Yeah. So this is like one of the very, very few cocktails where I'm like, no, ice chips all the way. Mm -hmm. So single strain for the lemon drop. Perfect. Uh are you going to any other garnish? No other garnish. That that for for me, that that sugared rim is enough. Mm-hmm. No, no express, no express and discard. No express and discard. You know, it's like there's already so much going on. Yeah. With the lemon, and I know it doesn't seem like a lot of this, like just an ounce of lemon, but mm -hmm. it's it's meant to be it's a, a clean, like it's meant to just be like zippy, mm -hmm. clean, crisp, short and sweet. Here's a here's a suggestion that I've come up with just right now. Not a suggestion, a, a proposition. In, this is not going to work in a professional bar because it, this would just be weird, but what if we're expressing and discarding another citrus just to, one of those ones we are talking about earlier, just to add another oh, yeah. another dimension that's just kind of taking your mind elsewhere and you're not sure why. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. In fact, there is one vodka that I, that I really find to be just super delicious in a lemon drop, and it's a citrus vodka that's more orange than anything. Have you had the St. George Citrus Vodka? I'm a big fan of the St. George products, yeah. So it's more orange than anything, but mm -hmm. it just adds a whole other dimension. Yeah. It's a little atypical because mm -hmm. it's like an orangey, uh, excuse me, an orangey vodka. Yeah. But it is, it is delicious. Mm -hmm. So a little something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, you're like rocking my world right now. There's another, I think it's, uh, there's a, well, there's definitely another California producer uh, that does a Meyer lemon one. Again, like that might be too far. I don't know. St. George also has a, a great chili, green chili. Oh, my God. Yeah. Imagine a lemon drop, chili lemon drop. <laughs> I'm telling you the, the how popular spicy margs are. Yeah. 
And I mean, let's not even get into the spicy rosé trend. I mean, that's that's. <laughs> I have something. not even seen that. Is that a thing? <laughs> it's it exists on TikTok. Whether or not people are doing it in real life, I don't know. I gotta get on TikTok. You do. Uh, I mean, this is this is gonna make this super timely. But have you seen that other video? That's well, you've. You might have seen it. It's gone cross platforms by this point, and it is relative to this, the 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 margarita, the skinny margarita. Yes, you've seen the video, yeah. where someone is what brewing it in a coffee pot. Yeah, I love it. Over what is the candy? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's not Skittles, but it's, it's no. It's, it's like the, a, the, the yeah. square ones. Yeah. Like a, I think it's like a Starburst. And there's some <laughs> jalapenos. Put in the toaster for the garnish for this. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like ridiculous. You it's know? the most ridiculous TikTok is thing. on another level. Yeah. I mean, if, you ha- if you're completely baffled by what we're talking about here right now, it shouldn't be hard to Google it because it's everywhere. And I mean, basically breaking all of the rules that we try and help establish or, or share on this show. Yeah, yeah, it breaks rules. You know, rules sometimes can be broken, but you know. Sometimes they're meant to be broken, and other times I don't think that a toaster is the most effective way to cook a jalapeno yeah, or... Just not, not good. And that's not even the most egregious part of that video. Anyway, go check it out. Another digression there. Um, it's a template. The lemon drop. I think, that's, I think that's where I'm landing upon here. Just wondering if you have any final thoughts here when it comes to the lemon drop or variations or, or, or any amazing iterations you've had yeah, yourself? Yeah, you know, um, I can't really speak to the bar currently because I, I haven't lived there in quite some time, but there's a bar in Chicago called The Matchbox. It's still open. From what I understand, it's changed ownerships, and I think they probably, like, still stick to, to what they've been doing, but The Matchbox is this tiny bar. I mean, literally, it it's a row of s- stools, and you can kind of fit through like and it gets a narrower as you walk down it's probably like 12 to 14 stools at the bar and they were making cocktails really well like before cocktails went crazy and what they kind of specialized in were like these simple kind of sours you know sidecars margaritas daiquiris lemon drops and something that they did which was awesome is they use powdered sugar so they had this like big kind of you know those like ornate silver bowls you'd sometimes see for garnish yep with a spoon in it yeah they just like spoon in the sugar instead of using simple yes okay what it did was it gave it this like really fluffy like it would be frothy really oh yeah and you'd get that sugar on the rim and it was like unbelievable. And we used to hang out there, like a bunch of me and my friends. And, you know, you'd have like, you'd just go down the list, like, oh, I want a lemon drop this time or, or a daiquiri. And they were like, they were made really well. And the bartenders were like true bartenders. Like they talk to you. And it's Chicago. So like bar culture is incredible to begin with. Yeah. Um, what a great place. And was that, they were doing that for all of the those sours there? Or it was exclusive to the lemon drop that they no, were doing? No, they, the- they were doing it for like, for all of those kind of. Nice. Yeah. Do you remember roughly what kind of measurement we're using or is this? No, I wouldn't know. It's one of those places, you know, you go, you get sidetracked. Yeah. You kind of just like enjoy the moment. If you were going to ballpark it right now, a tablespoon less? Probably less. They're probably like going like a teaspoon and a half. A teaspoon. But it was like this little dessert, like demi-tasse spoon, you know? Okay. Maybe depending on the bartender. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like the bartender's definitely judging the guest. Yes. You know? They're like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) And I imagine they probably have a separate one for their glasses as well because... You know, confectioner sugar, whatever you want to call it, icing sugar, that that thing. Oh, yeah. That will clump up real easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely would clump up. But you got this, like, most amazing Mm -hmm. version of those drinks. And they were made really well, you know. It was, like, fresh juice. They had this incredible spirit selection. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Amazing. And, I mean, it's still there. I just haven't been in so long. So I don't know if they've changed their ways. You know, post-COVID, a bowl of sugar just sitting out. (laughs) Yeah. To some people. I think as well, the one thing I enjoy is that you do have a memory here of a favorite version or or a standout version of this cocktail. I've, I'm yet to find mine, but uh, who knows? Maybe it's Maggie Mays. Who knows? We'll, we'll <laughs> see. But uh, I want to. 
I want a favor. I want a favorite spot for a lemon drop. That feels very good. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, we have to find it in New York. I mean, it's definitely there. There's that. I you know the drink is like gotta be like the the foundation for the shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. All right, so down at, down at uh, Rockwell Place, Toby Cicchini's other place, most people know Long Island Bar, that's the other one, right? They have the rare citrus margarita, oh, I want to nice. say. All I'm saying is the opportunity there is here for you to do the rare citrus, and I'm doing air quotes here, lemon drop. Yeah. That one's not been taken yet. Yeah, you know what I did one time was a Lulu lemon drop. Okay. <laughs> and it was, it was like a drop shot, but it was a, a drop of wheatgrass. Dropped into the lemon drop. Brilliant. It was great. Brilliant. Well, Harrison, what a what a great conversation there on the lemon drop. And I, I, I'm going to tell you now, I bet that almost everyone, if not everyone listening, is sat here now thinking, I didn't realize there was so much to this thing that I thought was just like a crappy shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's so much to it. No, I mean, this is one of the, this is one of like the real, like, you know, it's a real cocktail. It's the real deal. Yeah. All right, so how about we get to know you more now as a drinker and as a bartender in the uh, final section of the show? Let's do it. Fantastic. Question number one for you. What style or category of spirit typically enjoys the most real estate on your back bar? Uh, this is a tough one, you know, um, but agave is, is winning. Agave is winning. Tequila's on fire. It's delicious. Mezcal. Is becoming like ever more popular, but like, I guess I am a, a true, I am a tequila drinker at heart, and I, I tend to to mm-hmm. fill the back bar with a bunch of tequila. Can I ask you about a trend that I'm seeing? And I hate, I don't know if I have brought this up on the show before. I'm sorry if I have. I'm seeing, or I'm hearing, oftentimes folks in the industry being like, when we're speaking about agave spirits, now starting to say, oh, you know. I don't really drink tequila. I'm more of a mezcal person. I think that's purely to be contrarian or to be to, to, to go against the curve. Are you hearing that as well? Or I love that you say you're a tequila drinker at heart there. I enjoy that. I mean, yeah. It, bartenders especially are like, I am a mezcal drinker. I think bar, like bartenders are experienced drinkers most of the time, right? You have ability to taste every new product. You know, you have accessibility to all these things. So, like, you become a a serious drinker and you become somebody that, like, really kind of can, can handle these kind of really challenging flavors, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, it's like anything. It's like being a cook, you know. Yeah. You, you get to taste all these things. You become, like, a more serious taster. Mm-hmm. Um, mezcal is, is more of a challenging spirit to understand, to comprehend, to, to pick out nuances. Yep. I think naturally, like a lot of bartenders are like, oh, I'm a mezcal yeah. drinker, you know? I, I like tequila, I don't know. No, and, and again, like, maybe it's just the reaction to the popularity that you're talking about there, but, you know, you you don't you can't have a margarita without tequila. Yeah. I, I you know. Try making that with 100% mezcal. It's it's not a good cocktail I mean, compared some, to the... Some people like it, and, and again, I don't judge. Yeah. But I, I am like, I am a margarita traditionalist. I want... Tequila, yeah, not mezcal. Boiled in a coffee pot. Boiled not in a coffee <laughs> pot. <laughs> <laughs> Jalapenos on the toast. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right then, and and no no shade there, but I'm just questioning when folks say, you know, I don't really like tequila. I'm like, how? What's not to like? It's amazing. Question number two. Which ingredient or tool do you think is the most undervalued in a bartender's arsenal? It's a tough one, and. I don't want to be like cliche or ridiculous, but it's like personality. Like if, if that's one tool, right? Like bartenders need to be accessible. Bartenders need to be able to have fun. Like mm-hmm. That's how you're going to enjoy your time. You know, if you want to get technical, like I am a nerd for speed pours. I have specific speed pours I like to buy. I don't use like a specific ones. Like I'm like crazy about them, but come on. It's like, it's the bartender. Yeah. Like that's the tool. Mm-hmm. That's the key to a good bar. Is that something for someone who's in a in a management position, right? Very much in terms of all the other things you're doing. Can you coax that out of someone who's shyer in the beginning? Can can you help people develop that? Or is it really kind of 
you got it or you don't have it. I, I think anything can be learned, right? Um, you certainly look for like certain attributes or like certain personality traits in people when you when you hire them. But at the end of the day, like I like to think that most people are are nice people, you know, like yep. put them in a good environment. Like, and you know, we haven't talked about the bar too much, but Overstory is this like crazy space. Yep. And it's really important to us that we fill it with really good people. Cause like we have the view and we have this beautiful room and I want people to leave and be like, wow, that bartender was awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, not like the view is great. Yep. And the drinks are amazing as well, by the way. And those are two things that, and you know, I've said this before in, in other places, but those are two things you don't normally get in bars with an amazing view, especially not in New York. But I think that is the lasting impression that people will leave your bar with, which is, oh my God, the drinks and the service matched up to the view. How is that even possible? Yeah, we're trying to do that triple whammy. <laughs> Good things come in threes, yeah, as we said in the beginning I there. I love it. Speaking of which, cash number three here. That was brilliant. Um, What's the most important piece of advice you've received while working in this industry? You know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've worked for some really great people. The people that taught me how to make cocktails gave me like the most long lasting advice that I've ever received. And they were just like, you know, put down roots, you know, like find a good place, work for a long time. And like anything you want to learn, it's on you. Right. Like I've had people walk into places I've worked and be like, teach me. It's like, well, it doesn't just work like that, right? Like you have to be curious. You have to like take it upon yourself, but you have to spend some time at a place, you know, you have to like in a, in a world where like things are moving all the time. Like, of course, sometimes you need change. Some, mm -hmm. some environments, some, some work environments are toxic. And like, you know, we're, I think as an industry, we're trying to move from that, but you have to, you have to plant some roots, you know, mm -hmm. you have to like find a group of people that you want to work for you, that you believe in and like, and, and try and find that place. You yeah. Know? Is that something that you consider when you're hiring. I know I know now the situation can maybe be difficult. I mean, a lot of bartenders have been on here and spoken about that, but you know, in a ideal world, is that something you're considering when you see someone's resume? Like how long have you spent somewhere? How often are you jumping from job to job? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the first thing I look at before I even look at like the names of the places is like the, the, the time frame, right? Um, and COVID kind of like messed some of that up and you, you can't blame people for that. Yeah. Um, and, and even like post COVID, like it was really easy to like start a job and it just be like too challenging mm -hmm. and like not, not supported. So it, it's tough to kind of like navigate that piece, but you know, I, I kind of like, it's on us too. It's, it's about like the management or like the owners or like yep. the other people working, like let's create an environment where everybody wants to kind of to stay in to, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. It's a great point. It's, it's it's on both parties there for sure to create that environment because again, like you could look at someone's resume and maybe they just had real bad luck with the places that they ended up in and, you know, I don't know, but it's it's an important thing to think about. Yeah, definitely. Penultimate question for you. If you could only visit one last bar in your life, what would it be? There's two... But if I were ultimately to choose one, it would be Sportsman's Club in Chicago. Okay, tell me about that place. Sportsman's is like this really incredible bar. You know, the, the menu changes like every night. It's simple variations on classics or classics. It's got this old school bar feel, like old Chicago bar feel. It has a, a patio in the back. In the summer, They every week there's a rotating chef that cooks outside. And I spent some time in Chicago and when I lived there, like I could go to Sportsman's on a Sunday by myself and leave like midday and leave at like 10, 11, 12, one, <laughs> two, maybe. Um, and like have met like incredible people, have seen all my friends. Like there was a period of time where we had a standing dominoes game and it was like nobody had it like <laughs> saved on a calendar. It was just like when people got there, we're like, okay, it's time to play, you know? <laughs> um, but even still when I visit, you know, I'll, I'll go with one person or, you know, it's somebody I'm hanging out with and, you know, you end up seeing like all these people. So a lot of it's mm -hmm. time and place for me. Yeah. And it's been a while since I lived in Chicago, but it still has that incredible feel. Mm -hmm. They've like cultivated a space mm -hmm. and really ingrained themselves in the neighborhood. And that's like, that's key for a bar to be a part of the neighborhood. It's the, it's the classic cheers yeah. Cheers model right there. Oh, yeah. 
Um, assuming this is not the answer to the next question for you, what's what what are you ordering there when you when you belly up to that bar? Okay, that is not like the the my favorite cocktail. Like this is this is not my favorite cocktail. But there, I'll I'll usually start with something that they're doing because like the cocktails are delicious and mm-hmm. like in the winter like they do a really good job at like these like stirred like warming drinks in the summer they like bright fruit um but i'll usually get like a shot and a beer yeah that's a chicago thing what is your what is your boilermaker it's a high life and a shot of whiskey nice you know and if you're choosing the whiskey it's bourbon it's usually like bonded Mm -hmm. you've got some got some oomph to it you know nice bonded being like a little yeah, hundred proof, a little, little bolder, little four year old there, oh, minimum. Yeah. yeah, very nice. All right then. Final question for today. If you knew that the next cocktail you drank was going to be your last, what would you order or make? Margarita salt rocks. Very easy. Anybody that works with me like knows like that's like, you know, your classic. That's the that's the one for me. You're going out happy. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like how do you not like that? It's phenomenal. It's so good. I'm a big proponent as well of always, Marg's always on the rocks. Yeah, it's like, you know, the best part about a margarita on the rocks is like the margarita flavored ice at the end. Yep. You know, (laughs) you have this like secondary thing. Yep. And, you know, salt starts to come in from the rim as well, like that glass. Nuts. Don't even try and clear that empty glass. No, no. no, (laughs) No, I'm pouring my water into it. Still working on that one. (laughs) Amazing. Well, Harrison, what a, I mean, we didn't even get into Oprah. Sorry, just glanced at my notes here. We didn't get to Oprah. Apparently she told, are you familiar with this? Apparently she told Rachel Ray during it. Some, maybe 2006, the, the lemon drop is her favorite cocktail. Oh, anyway, yeah. I teased it at the front and I'm like, wait, if anyone gets to the end here and they're like, why is, what happened to Oprah? Yeah. Oprah, you need to let me make you a lemon drop one day. Yep. If you're ever listening or you hear this ever, <laughs> please just let me do it. Yep. Well, what a wonderful episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. It's been it's been a really enjoyable one. Good. I wish we had a little lemon drop to a little lemon drop shot. Yeah. And shooter. we just need one person to uh give the third one to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. Okay. That was a lot of info, but here's the good news. Every single episode of VinePair's Cocktail College is also published on VinePair.com as a transcript, so you can check it out there all over again. Also, if you enjoy listening to the show anywhere near as much as we enjoy making it, go ahead and hit subscribe, and please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher, and please tell your friends. Now for the credits. Cocktail College is recorded and produced in New York City by myself and Keith Beavers, VinePair's tastings director and all-round podcast guru. Of course, I want to give a huge shout out to everyone on the VinePair team. Too many awesome people to mention. They know who they are. But I want to give some credit here to Danielle Grinberg, art director at VinePair, for designing the awesome show logo. And listen to that music. That's a Darby Seaside original. Finally, thank you, listener, for making it this far and for giving this whole thing a purpose. Until next time. No one likes to be a know-it-all cocktail college listener, but I must admit, I do enjoy whenever someone tells me that vodka is flavorless or boring. It's true. I relish the opportunity of convincing them this simply is not the case because there are many vodkas out there that subtly highlight their base ingredients and can absolutely add character to cocktails. Case in point, Haku Vodka from the House of Suntory. Made with 100% Japanese white rice, this bright, well-rounded vodka evokes whispers of fruit and flowers and lands with grace on the palate. Like yourself, I'm not typically drinking vodka neat, and instead I prefer this in a soda highball, or better yet, a two-to-one martini where I like to replace dry vermouth with sake. Try it, you'll never look back. 
Once again, that name is Haku Vodka Listener. And fun fact, Haku means both white and brilliant in Japanese. Two words that go a long way to describing this clean-tasting, distinctive vodka. Please drink responsibly. Haku Vodka is a registered trademark with 40% alcohol by volume. Copyright 2022. Beam Suntory Import Company, Chicago, Illinois.